a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. It's not often that I can start off a podcast, uh, now a all-sports podcast nonetheless, talking about the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> and why, why would you say, Sam, why the hell are you? We got the NFL draft coming up. You know, the NBA is, is winding down to the, to the stretch of the playoffs. Uh, baseball's happening, you know, hockey playoffs on the verge. You got all this stuff happening and you're going to open with the Kings. Uh, y- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause how many teams gave up 154 points last night? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 154 of them things against the jazz with no Donovan Mitchell. I mean, son, 154, one, five, four, 150 piece, 154 piece. I mean, and their best player didn't even play. <laughs> Yo, dogs, when you have a chance, go go look at that box score. 59% from three last night for the Utah Jazz against the Kings. How is Luke Walton still employed? I'm doing this podcast about five in the morning. Crack of dawn, moving. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving pieces. Um, word to the wise, if, if you're moving, Put as much stuff on wheels as you can. Thank me later. But yeah, 154 piece. <laughs> you know, that's just, it, not, it didn't go to OT. It wasn't like it was an OT game, a double, triple, o, the regulation. 154 points in regulation. These are your Sacramento Kings. Shaq still owned a piece of them, right? Shaq still owned a piece of them. I mean, I don't know how Luke Walton is still employed. I mean, I think it's obvious he's going to get fired, but I mean, you could just kind of just let him go now. <laughs> I mean, as I'm doing this, he's not fired yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you give up 154 points. I don't give a fuck what team you're playing. I, I, I don't care. And you give up 59% from three as a collective. Nah, dogs, it's time. It's time. And I was going to come on here and, and kind of throw in this little tidbit about the Kings later in the pod. But I mean... Since <laughs> they gave up 154 of them things last night, we might as well throw this tidbit in now. Did you know over the last 36 years? So that's either more than most of y'all lifetime or a good deal of y'all y'all lifetime, depending on who's listening. Over the last 36 years, there have been 28 losing seasons for the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> All the winning seasons are by Rick Adelman, by the way. Remember, you had C-Web, uh, Vladi, uh, we had White Chocolate Jason Williams, which then turned into Mike Bibby, Bobby Jackson, Stojakovic, all those dudes, Turkaloo, all those dudes. Rick Adelman, eight winning seasons. But around that, <laughs> sandwiched around that, is 28 losing seasons. What the fuck, Sacramento? What the fuck? 
I mean, but at least they got Tyrese Halliburton. Next tape. So where do y'all want to begin? We have old heads talking shit. Old heads talking shit. And I mentioned this a couple of pods ago where, you know, I told y'all that there are some people that will ride or die with Bill Russell as their goat. There are some people that will ride or die with Big O, with, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And there are some people that will ride with Dr. J. And one of those people is Dr. J. (laughs) Dr. J out here putting all his feelings uh, in the atmosphere. And it made some waves because he doesn't have Michael Jordan as his number one shooting guard of all time. I don't know why that's surprising to people. Because if you remember how Dr. J was at the slam dunk contest, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> Dr. J was a worse judge than like D Wade, at least D Wade. When he was a slam dunk contest judge, he was trying to, you know, fix it for his mans. Dr. J was out here just trying to make sure nobody won. <laughs> like it was a different type of conversation, but yeah, he has Jerry West over Michael Jordan in terms of his best shooting guard. His first team is all old heads like himself. Big O Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, rest in peace. Bill Russell and Will rest in peace. This is what he has. But his second team is basically all dudes he played against in the eighties. He's got magic at point Jordan at the two bird at the three call Malone, the pedophile molesting, uh, her sexual harassing Vanessa Bryant, Carmelone at the four. And then he has Kareem. At the five. So he found a way to squeeze in the three best centers of all time in two teams. <laughs> He's got Bill Russell at the four. Bill Russell never played the four. But if you're putting Wilt out there, you know, Wilt has to be your five. No matter what Shaq says, no matter what, you know, people feel Embiid's ceiling can be the greatest center of all time is Wilt Chamberlain. So by any list that doesn't have Wilt as your starting five, I mean, it's a little fraudulent. So you go Wilt, but Bill Russell at the four, that's kind of a cheat code type thing. But yeah, the main thing is that he doesn't have Jordan as his starting two, and also his comments about LeBron. And also, you know, Charles Oakley says something too, and we'll get to that in a second, because he's kind of saying something that I've been saying here on this pod. Uh, But yeah. Doesn't believe in LeBron because LeBron has had the whole super team thing. I think what's the quote here? He's the guy who has led the charge of super teams. And, you know, you can make that case. And I'm not saying he's wrong from the modern era NBA. Yes, LeBron was the first. Well, actually, you could say the Celtics. But really, that took a lot of trades the only real free agent move was Ray Allen, right? I think Ray Allen was the only one because Paul DeFraud Pierce was already there. They traded for KG. And then I believe Ray Allen decided to pull up. I believe that's how that went. But in this modern era of, yo, we free agents, we all going to go to the same squad. Yes, LeBron is the catalyst for that. And you see what KD has done, taking it to the next level with the AAU layer to it. 
But yes, LeBron is the first one to do this whole super team thing in this modern era with free agency. And I think that's the key here. And that's why the old heads don't really take teams like the Lakers that had four Hall of Famers, teams like the Celtics that had four, five, six Hall of Famers, or even those sixer teams that Dr. J was on that had four or five Hall of Famers. They don't look at those teams in the same way as this modern era. Those teams were either drafted or through trades acquired all that talent. Whereas today in this modern era with free agency being the way that it is, you can all decide together as a group to openly go move in unison. And that's where the old heads feel that's a problem. That's where it becomes problematic because they had no choice. You got drafted who you got drafted by. You got traded to whoever you got traded to. And you had no say in the matter. If you were fortunate enough, I mean, remember Charles Barkley as a rookie was coming off the bench for the Sixers. Because he had a whole bunch of dudes in front of him that were nice, that were Hall of Famers. You know, you have the Lake Show that drafted Magic, drafted James Worthy, traded for Kareem. That's three right there. You had the Celtics that drafted Bird, drafted McHale. I think they traded for Dennis Johnson. Chief, I believe, was in the league before. So they probably traded for Chief, signed Bill Walton. Like it was a different, it was a massing. It was a building of a team still. You could you could get away with the rhetoric of those teams were built. They would just so happen to be built with Hall of Famers. Whereas today, you know, you have Kyrie and KD planning years out. Yo, we're going to go hoop in New York. I don't know if it's going to be the Knicks or Brooklyn, allegedly. But we're going to go hoop in New York. And they make it happen. Oh, James wants out? Yo, dogs. Go ahead and tank that in H-Town, and then we're going to come through with a whole bunch of draft picks and some ancillary pieces to come scoop you up. Come join the squad. Oh, LaMarcus, you want to get out of San Antonio? All right, word. Yo, so go ahead and make that happen. Get that buyout and then pull up over here. Kia Jumper, you claiming you can't dunk. You're trying to tank your way out of Detroit. All right, keep tanking, acting like you can't dunk even though you're 6'9", and then we'll, you can pull up over here, and then your first bucket, as I predicted, will be a dunk. That in itself is a little different <laughs> than how it was in the 70s and 80s and even a sprinkle into the 90s where you had to trade for dudes and hope on a prayer that it would work. Barkley got traded to Houston to go hoop with Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde DeFraud Drexler, and no, Scotty was there, right? Was that, was that the Scotty year? They had Scotty, Hakeem, Barkley. That was supposed to be a big three. It was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. Didn't work. That was an attempt at an alleged super team. But it was truly through trades. It wasn't like Hakeem, Scotty, and Chuck got together years prior and said, yo, we're going to make this happen. Once dudes were already going to be traded somewhere, then players might have tried to use whatever power they have at that time to try to at least, well, at least trade me here. Whereas today, you can get bought out and go wherever the hell you want. Today, you can plot on your free agency year and make it so that a team 
through back channels is aware that you're coming so that they can create the cap space necessary for when you and your man's in them pull up. So Dr. J, is he really an old head? Is he really wrong for his take? LeBron was the catalyst for the super team in the modern era. I don't think that should not merit <laughs> him being on someone's top five or top 15 in this case. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at Dr. J at all. LeBron is not in his top 10. Uh, yeah, you're going to have all heads like that. I told you a couple episodes ago how these all heads are. I grew up around them. I grew up around them. And, you know, there are definitely old heads who feel that way. There are definitely old heads who still feel that way. They feel like, you know, Dr. J crawls or Jordan could walk so Kobe could run so LeBron could fly. Like, that's a real thing. People still of a certain era, of a certain generation will go to their graves feeling like that. So the second part of this is Charles Oakley. And as someone that's been around Charles Oakley, has had the pleasure of speaking to Charles Oakley on a few occasions uh, through my work experience. You don't want to cross Charles Oakley. And you better listen when Charles Oakley speaks. Whether it's about you or not, just pay attention and show all respect to Charles Oakley when he speaks. You don't want to be like Tyrone Hill, bro. You know, Hope say, you know, don't don't go Eric Benet. Yeah, bro. Don't go Tyrone Hill. If you don't know that story, Google is your friend. So Oakley came out and basically said, I don't know why y'all bugging over this whole Zion thing. This Zion thing isn't a thing. He's nothing special. No one can play defense on him, essentially, is what Oakley said. He said the way to stop him is you got to put a body on him. But because of the rules and because of the, uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to spit it like how like how Oakley did because he, he put some spice on it. But um, basically the mentality of today's player, that's the best way I could clean that up, isn't one that would be tough enough to have to do what you have to do to stop someone with the size of Zion. Also, the rules are different. You know what I'm saying? You can't hand check like back in the day. You can't really body up like you used to be able to do in the paint, in the post and things like that. So Oakley's like, yeah, bro, it's nothing special, but he's just a dude that, you know, is taking advantage of the fact that he has a certain size and along with the lack of rules, he can get it off, but he's nothing special. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I've look, man, I've listened to this pod enough. And if you haven't listened to the pod a lot and this is your first time, uh, the archives are right there. But uh, yeah, I've done a few episodes on how I have not been in favor of this whole Zion train and this whole, you know, un undeniable momentum and this undeniable marketing push by the league to make Zion be the next one if and when LeBron ever decides to bounce. It's nothing special. Um, you know, have fun with it. Enjoy it. I don't know what you're going to enjoy. He's getting a lot of shots now. Stan Van has fully committed to getting Zion his shots. He has advantages most nights because most guys just aren't as big as him. But then he goes up against other dudes and other real bigs, and then he has trouble. He could run around certain dudes because of his size and the fact that he's shorter than them, so he can, like, leverage his body against them. But when it comes to just night in, night out, is he going to be the number one option on a championship contending team? My answer is still no. You know, you may not see it now, 
but you'll see in a few years. It's just it's just not it's not going to be that. I don't know where the evolution in this game is going to come to where he takes the type of steps I need to see for him to be like, oh, okay, it's different now. Like you see, Giannis is actually trying now. Giannis is trying to develop a secondary move. You can go back in the archives again and check. I was out here a year ago. A year ago saying, yo, Giannis does not have a secondary move. That was the name of the pod. That's the name of the episode. Giannis does not have a secondary move. And people were calling me out. Yo, dog, this is an MVP. He about to get another one. How are you going to say? He, how how will you make it to the NBA? And he don't got a secondary. Like, all right, well, what's what's the secondary move? Do you see one? Do you see one? Because I don't see one. He's a rim runner. And he has the ball downhill. And he could take three steps from half court and be at the rim. That's unstoppable. That doesn't mean you're a number one option. That doesn't mean you're an MVP. But, you know. What's the uh, Goody Mob lyric? Listen to me now. Believe me later on. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's kind of that's kind of what it is in a lot of things, but it is what it is. Yeah, I know I'm not that big on MVP stuff, but it's it's been a reoccurring topic because it's just it's one of those races that literally anyone could win now. It's really that highly contested. I mean, there there's a lot of. uh different conversations going on about who should be even a candidate because now there's the point fraud and people are pushing for the point fraud to be in the mix. And I'll keep saying this. I don't understand how the team with the second best record in the Western conference can have a push for an MVP candidate, but the team with the best record number one in the Western conference can't, <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't understand. I, I don't get it. Certain narratives get, get pushed and the public just devours it and they just don't care what's in front of them and what is laid out. And they just, they just go with it. They just go with it. There's this, you know, Chris Paul, best floor leader, best general, whatever narrative that's been floating around, even though that there's clear evidence to the contrary, clear evidence to the contrary, but we just go with the narrative anyway, because this is just what we believe as people. This is why the earth was once flat. This is why Columbus once discovered America. This is why all this stuff happened. But here we are with just about a week and change left in the regular season. And there's a CP3, a.k.a. the point fraud, push for MVP. You know who won't be pushing for MVP for CP3, a.k.a. the point fraud? Besides me. But you know who else won't? Be pushing for him to be in the mix. Pandemic P. Did you catch them post game tonight? It was quick, but there was a lot of spice there. Suns in the in the old English font played. Suns got the dub. No Kawhi. They're saying he has a foot thing. I'm saying he has a degenerative knee. And as I've been talking about literally for about damn near a decade. When you're trying to be fragile with one injury that normally opens your body up to be susceptible for injuries on the other side of your body. Kawhi has bad knees, two of them, one especially more than the other, but two bad knees. And now he's got foot issues. Yeah. So moving on past that, the old English font takes the L. And if there's ever a team that doesn't like the point fraud, it's got to be the old English font. I mean, look at the dudes that they've picked up. 
since the All-Star break. And we had the point guard, right? The point guard is there, and y'all know how. He loathes the point fraud. Can't stand him. I remember they had they played uh, maybe a few weeks ago, because I was going to talk about him on the pod, but didn't have a chance. It was too much other stuff going on. But the point guard doesn't call the point fraud by his name. He's akin to me. And I wonder why I fucks with the point guard so much. The point guard calls the point fraud by his number. <laughs> calls him out. He says, yeah, oh, nah, three did this tonight. Yeah, he, whatever, you know. So, hey, Rajon, how did the uh, Suns able, how was Chris Paul able to control the pace of the game? Da-da. Yeah, three was was doing things that, like, it, it was it was masterful. It was it was amazing. And I loved every second of it. He calls that man by his number. <laughs> and then you have and I don't know if people even know this because, I mean, it's the old English font and they've kind of been a irrelevant storyline this season. But the baller formerly known as Boogie was scooped up by the old English font and he's coming off the bench, but he's hooping. He's looking more fresh than he was in Houston. And, yeah, you know he doesn't have any love for the point fraud. I mean, you saw that video back in the day where he tried to flop and, you know, <laughs> he as in the point fraud. The point fraud tried to flop and the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins was not with the shits, was not with the shits. So you have the point guard, the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins, and Pandemic P all not fucking with the point fraud. Now, if you're asking how come uh, Pandemic P has a problem with the point fraud, because I've laid out how the point guard looks at the point fraud as number three. And the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins had run-ins with the point fraud when he was in his flopping stage. Pandemic P has a problem with the point fraud because uh, the point fraud went on, I think it was the J.J. Reddick podcast. And when they brought up the comments about how Paul George was not a fan of the uh, Doc Rivers offense and how that was the reason why, you know, the the old English font fell apart, uh, the point fraud laughed. (laughs) The point fraud had a big laugh and uh, didn't cop any police, just straight up laughed at the notion that Doc Rivers offense was the reason why Pandemic P and the old English font struggled. And got bounced up out of the playoffs uh, in seven games last year. So that was spicy. And then you have a run-in, I think it was a couple of months ago. I think the beginning of this year. A couple of months ago, there was a run-in between D-Book and Pandemic P. That had nothing to do with D-Book. It had more to do with the best point guard on the Suns, Cameron Payne. And D-Book stood up for his mans. And that became a thing and Pandemic P got hot and Kawhi was wearing a mask and not saying nothing. And yeah, so there's three dudes, three dudes on that team that ain't fucking with the point fraud. And the greatest thing about all of that, about all of that, is that if you go right now and look at your standings, second round matchup is very likely. (laughs) Because, you know, the one eight plays the winner of the four or five. So that means the 2-7 plays the winner of the 3-6. Right now, the Suns are the 2-seed. Old English find is the 3-seed. 
So we could definitely get a second round series if things all break the right way, where we have the old English font with the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins with the point guard who calls the man's three. And now Pandemic P who ignored the point fraud on the little, you know, congratulatory good game, good sportsmanship line after the game last night. They both ignored each other. There's some animosity there. So we could be in line for a very spicy <laughs> second round matchup of the Western Conference playoffs. Oh, your bonus content this week will be a conversation I have with Greg Larned on his show. We got into some NFL draft stuff and just some Tennessee Titans stuff and historical lookbacks at draft busts and things of that nature. Because you know, y'all know me. I'm not a, I'm not into big draft stuff, mock drafts and all that type of shit. But uh, for Greg Larned, we we got into that a little bit. Uh, we had a good little back and forth. So that'll be our bonus content uh, this week. So check for that. It feels like only a couple of months ago we were on this podcast talking about Sexland. And Sexland was looking to be a thing and it was exciting. It was new. And now we got Kevin Love just fed up with it all. <laughs> Poor Kevin Love, man. He had issues with Colin Sexton last year. He did not understand this young point guard who thinks he is the number one option on every play. And Kevin Love was just, you know, trying to set screens for him and all of that stuff, and Sexton was just waving him off, not trying to hear it, or taking the pick, or taking the screen, and not even thinking of passing the ball, just taking the screen, taking the screen to create his own shot or get his own shot up. And Kevin Love just looked so fed up. But you really haven't seen a lot of that this year. Oh, but he came to head the other day. Goddamn, poor Kevin Love. Goddamn, did you see it? So frustrated after his team gave up uh, another easy bucket. He, he didn't even want to inbound the ball, just kind of flipped the ball, <laughs> just flipped the ball in, inbounds, it, and it was stolen and gave up a three. And, yeah, Kevin Love's done. How come he didn't get bought out? Is there any, any like, official word on why he was not bought out? Because he really could be. I mean, imagine if you're the Nets, and, look, no one could have foreshadowed the whole thing with LaMarcus Aldridge, right? But if you had Kevin Love or LaMarcus Aldridge on the buyout market, who are you picking up? Because I'm picking up Kevin Love at this point in their careers. How come Kevin Love didn't get bought out? Because is, is Cleveland trying to be funny with the money? They're going to make Kevin Love earn that contract? They're not going to take any shorts? They're not trying to pay that man to leave? I mean, didn't they do that with Drummond? They bought out Drummond, right? And JaVel. Or did they trade JaVel? I don't know how JaVel got to Denver. I thought he got bought out. Maybe he got traded there. But they definitely bought out Drummond. So it's not like they are foreign to doing it. But yeah, Kevin Love, man, he would be... Man, imagine him. Now imagine if you had the Nets. And at one point in time, you could put out there Kyrie, KD, Harden... Joe Harris and Kevin Love. <laughs> now that Dr. J, it's a super team. AD is back for the Lake Show. He missed 35 games. AD out 35 games. 
LeBron has now missed a substantial amount of time. I think it's more than 20 games at this point. And the the talk is he's going to be coming back some point this week or early next week as they get ready to head into the playoffs. My question is this. Does anyone have any logical explanation for how the Lakers have the number one defense despite AD missing 35 games and LeBron missing substantial time in the midst of that? All right, man. Yeah, I keep placing them bets on the other teams. Lake Show with the number one defense, even with AD, arguably the best defensive player in the league, missing 35 games, and LeBron, who's still top 10 defensive player in the league, missing substantial time as well. Frank Vogel, Schroeder, THT, Kuzma, Morris Twin, I mean... KCP, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of cooking up. Now they got drumming in the mix. Like, I I don't know how y'all beating them. I wish y'all well. I wish y'all well. If you haven't already, be sure to hit up the podcast voicemail. Leave your thoughts on the show. Leave your thoughts on the topic. If you disagree or agree, cosign, want to get into a little battle back and forth, I duck no smoke. Uh, hit up the podcast voicemail, 347-871-1044. Again, that podcast voicemail, contribute to the pod, 347-871-1044. The reason why the podcast is, is it's hard for me to veer away from NBA stuff is because there's so much stuff that just comes out, just thrown. It's like NBA Twitter is such a weird place. So much stuff just gets thrown at a wall to see if shit sticks. Like, there was a tweet this week about Giannis versus Shaq. And I'm, I'm not going to go too crazy, but just, just know that there was a conversation being had on NBA Twitter in regards to Giannis versus Shaq. And there were people that were really siding with Giannis being more dominant than Shaq. Right. That's where we are. That's where we are in 2021. That's where we are. Gave that man two MVPs fraudulently, and now people are saying, He's a more dominant big man than Shaq. Right. Not enough is being talked about with this Evan Fournier thing. You know, the Celtics have been ravaged with COVID. We've talked about Jason Tatum a lot about him coming out and saying he needs an inhaler before every game. Evan Fournier, who was supposed to be a sneaky, stealthy move by the Skimmadum Dea at the trade deadline, given getting Evan Fournier from the clearly rebuilding and tanking Orlando Magic. That was supposed to be a, a stealth move like Oladipo to the Heat, and just like Oladipo fell and went boom, and that hasn't worked out for the Heat. Evan Fournier's out here, had COVID, came back from COVID, and he went 0 for 10 over his first two games back. And the boy genius already scaled his minutes back because Evan Fournier ain't ready. And this COVID thing is still a thing. But from a basketball perspective, is anyone in the national media going to call out the Celtics power uh, power structure in regards to the Skemadum Dea and the boy genius? They have arguably two top 10, maybe two top 15, more accurately, players in their lineup. And they're a seven seed in the East? A seven. Six, seven, eight seed. They've been kind of fluctuating now. They've been plummeting down the standings. They've been six. They've been seven. Like, this is what you're getting when you have two. And it's not like, I mean, let me see here. I know Marcus Smart got suspended for a game the other day. 
stuff like that. But in regards to like games missed, yeah, Tatum and Brown have both played 56 games. And let's see. And they've played 63 games. So they both have missed seven games each. So your two best players have only missed seven games each. And you're still a six seed in the East? I know Kemba's been in and out of the lineup. You know, Marcus Smart has had some flurries. They don't have a big man. I mean, they're depending on Robert Williams, and they had your man's Daniel Tice, but then they traded him at the deadline. All of this stuff. But the foundation of the team is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That should be enough. That should be enough to not just be a playoff team. That should be enough to where, you know, this team has reached the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. Does anyone have any faith outside of the northeastern part of the country that this team has a legitimate shot to even get to the second round? Right now they're going against Milwaukee in the first round. You think the Bucks are going to lose to the Celtics? Y'all got that? Y'all got that happening? You think Giannis is going to let that happen? You think Drew Middleton? Coach Bud, who low-key job might be on the line? You think they're going to let that happen as a collective? What is the problem in Boston? I mean, y'all know what I think it is. Skimming them day on Boy Genius. But will anyone in the national media put that out there and put their name on it and be ostracized by people like Bill Simmons and Jackie McMillan? Will they do that? I'll finish up with some boxing and just some random notes. Um, Triller. Not only are they doing stuff with the verses and they're throwing money all over the place. They try to get into the podcasting game, but you know, people didn't know what number to give them. And you know, then they have a fall on that with their mans. And, but you know, the timing was right after passing up bags left and right, but you know, it's friendship. So, um, Triller is BMFing all over the place. They're blowing money fast anywhere. They're getting into the streaming content game. They're getting into the live sports streaming content game because that's where the money's going to be. As someone that works in media and is uh, cognizant of deals that are on tables, that's where the money is. And Triller is throwing money all over the place. They got Oscar De La Hoya to come out of the retirement. He's on a three-fight comeback. I don't know who wants to see this. I mean, is he going to wear the pantyhose? I mean, if he lives his truth in his boxing and pantyhose, I might not want to see it, but I'm here for the spectacle of it. Like, because this is what Triller is all about. They're about the spectacle. And now they have Floyd out. They got Floyd to come back through bags his way. Now, which Paul is he fighting, Logan Paul or Jake Paul? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I just want to make sure. Floyd... Because this, I mean, look, I'm not paying for this. (laughs) I'm not paying for this. But, you know, Logan Paul. Okay, so he's fighting Logan Paul. So he's going to have an exhibition fight with Logan Paul. 
you know that's a bag. Anything that Floyd does, there's always bags attached to it. So he's cashing out one more again and now on Triller. And Logan Paul has turned himself from being a YouTuber, a borderline, you know, hobbyist boxer into fighting arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time for millions. <laughs> you got to love this country if you look a certain way. Um but when you look at what the fight game has become and you look at what Dana White has been able to get off. And that's the, and that's the that's the real reason why Triller has been able to slide in into the live action sports arena. Because they could throw money at fighters because these fighters aren't getting paid. <laughs> these fighters are not getting the bread that they are actually earning. Dana White is a is a old school type promoter with in the likes of Don King and Bob Arum and uh, those types. Like he's not really trying to get that bread up. He makes himself part of the show. So Triller has stepped in and started throwing bags all over the place. Washed up former fighters. Come over here. Come get some money. Make it an exciting fight. Maybe we'll kick in a little extra if you rig the John and we'll keep this pushing. We'll keep throwing our bags left and right. Snoop has turned this into something. He put in a couple mil, so he's making sure he stays involved to get his return, get his ROI where it needs to be. And the money in action fighting, in action sports and MMA and boxing is crazy right now because now they can go anywhere they want. You know, Dana White has basically positioned himself to be in, you know, in debt to Florida. They're coming off the card this past weekend. Very successful, memorable moments. Africans hold all the belts that mean something in the weight classes throughout UFC. But Dana White's also moving out here with that MAGA anti-vaccine rhetoric. And he's going to all the states that don't give a fuck about a vaccine or a mask. And he's going to keep using guys like Masvidal. Who was the other dude that was the Trump? There was, I forget the other dude that was like a Trump dude. And he got laid the fuck out, too, by African. Funny how that works. Um, but, yeah, Dana White is trafficking in rhetoric. That is MAGA-related. He is trafficking in rhetoric with other fighters like Masvidal, who are, you know, QAnon superstars. This is a real thing that's happening. He is in bed with that right-wing audience, and he is using his political ties to move his sports thing forward. So when you see that direct correlation to Dana White and guys like Masvidal weaponizing problematic rhetoric to push their agenda, to drive their popularity, to earn more dollars. Remember that the next time you hear that same right wing audience tell football and basketball players stick to sports. I wrap this up with some Canelo stuff. Did you see Canelo? Canelo's getting a bag, son. Canelo, Canelo did an interview, uh, a sort of clip on Twitter. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, your boy got Twitter spaces. Got that. So I told you we off Clubhouse, been off that. We on Twitter spaces, though. And since that's where the bulk of my following is at, on my personal account, at the TheSamD, um, we're going to be doing a lot of Twitter spaces. We're going to be doing a lot of that. I think that's a really easy place to reach out to y'all and to be able to conduct interviews and things like that. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of Twitter spaces coming up now that I have that. So yeah, 
yeah, really, really excited to jump into that and get get that popping. Anywho, Canelo said he makes about uh, four to nine million off real estate in Mexico. And he's buying up. I think he said he's got like 90 to 100 and some gas stations coming out in Mexico. Is Canelo going to fight again? <laughs> I mean, when you're, when you're telling people your money like that, when you're laying out how successful you are with your money, that doesn't sound like like Floyd's way of doing it was just showing you the jewelry, the cars, the houses, things like that. And, you know, the bets. Remember, Floyd used to post all the bets he would do. He he would post the ones that he won. He wouldn't post the ones that he lost, but he would he would be showing you his money in that way. Canelo's out here telling you, yeah, dog, I'm making forty nine million off houses, off real estate, off properties. And I got about 90 to 100 and some gas stations coming. That don't sound like a man that's going to be fighting soon. That doesn't sound like a man that's going to be fasting to cut weight anytime soon. It doesn't sound like a man that's going to be doing 10 to 20 miles of road work in preparation for a big fight. And you know, that 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 the zone money, that the zone money long, bro. So, I mean, I'm sure they could throw some bread at him, but it's going to be interesting to see if they could really get Canelo back into the ring when he's out here running around open up, you know, a hundred plus gas stations in Mexico and pulling in four to nine mil per real estate investment. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. I'm doing this at the crack of dawn, so I'm going to turn this around as fast as I can so y'all will get this uh, Thursday morning. A lot of busy stuff this week. As I mentioned, I will be moving, so this is the last pod in YO, the last pod from uh, my closet in Y.O. I've done pods from my living room space. I've done pods from my closet. I've done pods from the parking lot in my car in Y.O. I've been very flexible in trying to make sure I get this pod to y'all somehow, some way, despite everything that's gone on. Yeah, I've sat through uh, various train whistles, various construction stuff going on. Um, just appreciative of y'all appreciative of what YL has brought to me, but it's time to bounce, time to get the fuck out, time to get a little bit more, a little bit more room, a little bit more space, and keep it pushing that way. So I'll highlight y'all from the new spot next week. Hopefully that means we'll be able to get some video stuff uh, up and out in a sooner and quicker in a more content value filled position. Be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. The links in the podcast description. But as always, I'm the Sam D for the the Sam D podcast. I'm out.